Um, I had the privilege to meet our speaker when I, I got a phone call. Um, and as you know, I'd run for state assembly and then I ran for council. And he called me and he was asking for some advice on running for office or he was in the midst of running for office. And he didn't start with, you know, state assembly or city council. He went Congress. And, um, and the coolest thing is he's a worship leader. And I didn't really know who he was, but my kids were like, Dad, this is Sean Voigt. This guy's amazing. It's one of the best worship leaders. I'm like, oh, cool. I saw a picture of him. I'm like, dude, you're not going to win with hair like that. You're, you're done. <laughs> and as I started to listen to him, I thought, what, what an oddity in the sense that this is a man that relates to the millennial generation, and he's a worship leader, which is typically liberal. He steps forward because he sees the lack of engagement of Christians in California as we've watched our state decimated. And it's contrary to the message that the millennials have received, and he steps forward. And it came at great expense. And people said, Rob, when you run for office, your congregation will decline and giving will drop, and it did. And then it didn't. And... and Sean's going to tell you the story, but he did this. Now, he didn't win, and I didn't win my first time out either. But he was faithful to what God called him to do. And then after that, and that's, you know, listen, when you lose a race, it is devastating. And immediately after that, God calls him to something deeper. He'll share with you. But I, I just want to say this entire movement that God did upon this man's heart began at the Golden Gate Bridge. He'll tell you more about it, but this man has done 85 Let Us Worship concerts across the country in the middle of the lockdowns. He, he's gone into the heart of the BLM areas. He was in that zone in, in Portland, and he's worshiping, and when he would come out, they would, you know, not only would the church attack him, which is what they did to Whitfield in the early days, the church is always the most brutal, and they light you up on social media. Not only did that happen, but people would throw blood on him. They'd throw other stuff. But what's really cool is they'd also throw other things. And the other things that they would throw would be their crack pipes and their drugs. He's watched miracle after miracle. And I invited him to come and do worship. And he said, hey, I, I really feel like God wants me to share a message. I'm like, dude, do it. The worship team was like, bummer. <laughs> uh, but this message, and I heard it first service, you better put your seatbelts on. I, I love this man, and God is an instrument of righteousness that he is using profoundly. Please welcome my dear friend, Sean Voigt. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Wow, what an honor to be with you guys. I got some good news for you today. Anybody want to hear good news? Yes. Turn to someone next to you and say, good news. <laughs> I, uh, first of all, I want to say I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. I'm so thankful for Pastor Rob. He has been such a hero and a legend and a support. Um, the, we have been on a really wild journey. I don't know how many of you guys have followed it, and I want to give you a little bit of background before I share the word I feel like the Lord has for me. But we're coming off of another historic weekend in California. We were in Pismo Beach on Saturday. We set up uh, really right down by the beach um, 
it, we had such a move of God. Not only did thousands of people come, but I love seeing the gospel being presented in the open air. You know, our tagline over the last few months, it's on the back of this jacket, the church has left the building, right? So the enemy, the enemy overplayed his hand in 2020, you know, this virus, the lockdowns, the fear of the virus, the, the, uh, you know, these tyrannical government officials, da, 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 da. And, but he didn't realize that the church wasn't just a building. He didn't realize that we were going to fill beaches, we were going to fill streets, we were going to fill shopping centers, we were going to go under, uh, we were going to go anywhere and everywhere we could, and the church was going to leave the building, was going to go outside, and the gospel was going to be put on display in the public scene yet again. And so that's what we saw happen on Saturday night in Pismo Beach with city number 84. There was such a spirit of revival and repentance that hit that beach. We had a dude, one of my favorite stories, people were running up front, getting delivered, getting saved, getting set free. It felt like you were in the middle of a crusade in Africa or something. It's wild. But this dude is riding by on a bike, this Rastafarian dude. And he hears music, right? So he pulls up closer and he just keeps coming closer. And I'm watching him. He just, he starts in the back and by the middle of the meeting, the worship, he's like right up front. And he's standing right there and I start preaching about freedom and forgiveness and how you can get rid of all of your addictions and you can fall in love with Jesus. And by the end of the meeting, he's down on the altar. He has not one crack pipe, three crack pipes that he puts on the stage. He breaks them on the stage in front of everybody. He says, I'm never doing drugs again. And then he takes out 22 crumpled dollar bills. That's all he had in his pocket. And he gives it as an offering on the stage. Gets totally set free in front of everybody. Isn't that amazing? And we're seeing, we're seeing this happen every city we go to. Last night, uh, well first, let me start about a little bit of the history here in California. How many have heard of the Jesus People Movement? Okay, so California has been host to some of the greatest moves of God in the last 100 years in America. No wonder the enemy has a plan to stomp out this state because this is a state of revival. Let's say that again. This is a state of revival. Right? Listen, you don't try to make counterfeit $1 bills. Right? You try to make counterfeit $100 bills. The enemy's coming hard after this state to counterfeit the call of God because there is so much gold still in the golden state. Amen? I'm going to have you guys convinced by the time we're done. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're kind of like, eh, no. I'm going to explain to you why this is the greatest time to be alive and to be a resident of California in the history. So you had Azusa Street, early 1900s, birthed the modern Pentecostal movement, changed the world. And then in the 70s, you had this Jesus people movement. Who was a part of that? There you are. The Jesus people movement, right? That swept America and it started in California. It started with a bunch of hippies that got saved. that were tripping out on LSD. Maybe some of you were. Gave their life to Jesus, got baptized. It happened in the, on the Pacific, in the Pacific Ocean. They were getting baptized. One of the most iconic places that it happened was right here in Newport Beach, Pirate's Cove, right? 
This is the pictures. This is where Calvary Chapel was birthed. This is where the, the movement that spread across America took place. They were coming down off the cliffs. They were getting saved. They were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. These were not church people. These were hippies. These were lost, right? Drugs, sex, rock and roll. And they were turning to Jesus. Time Magazine did on their front cover a Jesus revolution. Life Magazine had, this is a Jesus movement. The whole world was seeing what was taking place in California. And so, this is really powerful. When, um, by the way, was anybody baptized at Pirate's Cove? Look at that. Two people. Come on, let's give them a hand. It's amazing. Everywhere you gather Christians in California, you can find a few. Their roots go deep. Um, but a little bit of my journey, and then I want to share, you what God, share with you what God did last night, because it's just so powerful. But, um, you know, the Lord called me to live here. I grew up in Montana. We hated Californians. Seriously, you show up in Montana with the California plate in the 90s, your car, you're going to get some damage, you know. And, uh, and we lit, you know, the, the Lord sent us all over America. I lived on the East Coast, lived in Texas, lived a lot of places. Never thought I'd move to California. The Lord called us to California and he called us to Northern California where it's a zillion degrees and half of the year, you know, we don't get it like at 120 degrees in Redding. It's so hot. And it took me a lot of years to find out why God sent me here. And so uh, I was on a record label, ministry was exploding, God was doing amazing things, and then I get this prophetic word that I'm supposed to run as a conservative for U.S. Congress. <laughs> which, ha which I had to hear again, like an angel had to almost literally appear and open a scroll to tell me to do it, right? And the Lord tricked me into doing this that I didn't want to do at the height of, of, you know, my musical career. I'm writing these songs. We're doing missions around the world. Things are going great. And how many know when you step into the political realm, this is what's interesting about the church. We know how to support multimillionaires. We know how to support, you know, movie stars. We know how to support people that want to throw touchdowns and say a little prayer. We don't know how to get behind politicians that want to shake up the system. But yet, how many know that the kingdom of God, the call of the gospel, does not abdicate us from the realm of politics? A couple people are with me. Fear, I fear I get a little more cheers in this church. But if anything, if you look at the mountains of influence in our culture, there's one mountain that has its tentacles in every other part of society, and that's the governmental mountain. And we've experienced that in this season. It affects every part of our life. And so I just thought, you know, I just came in naive. I thought, oh, people are going to get behind me. This is going to be awesome. Like Mike Pence comes up to me, vice president. He goes, man, you're a long-haired worship leader. That's what we need in Congress right now. You know, I met Rob. Rob's like, you can do it. You know, I was so excited. And I was running in this district between San Francisco and Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> Need I say more? <laughs> and, you know, we came out of that season and it was difficult. You know, hard on my family. Of course, we were getting death threats, all this kind of stuff. We were getting shadow banned and targeted by big tech and whatever. You know, all the things. And I was so bummed, you know, that we didn't get the support from the church. You know, I just thought, man, like I've been a worship leader. I've gone around the world. I've done missions. Now God's calling me to be a missionary to my own nation. 
And I can't even get the church to support me. We lost friends. All this happened. And then the shutdowns happened. And then I was like, okay, God, why am I in California? The most restricted state in America, you know, the shutdowns happen, churches close, you know, COVID, da-da-da-da-da. And then our interesting governor did the unthinkable to provoke me. It's his fault. He released, he released an order he released an order and he said this, you can no longer sing in church. And I was like, oh, it's on. It is on. It is on. And, and, uh, and, so, and so I'm in Northern California and I'm licking my wounds from this congressional run and I'm dealing with all of this heartache and all this stuff and I'm looking at my family and I'm thinking, what are we going to do here? And then he releases that and then my phone starts blowing up from the underground pastors in Iran, in Iraq, in North Korea, the guys I poured into over the last 20 years. I've been in their churches you know, I've seen them risk their life for the gospel. And they start sending me these messages. They say, hey, listen, we saw what they said in California. He's, they said, you're not going to listen to them, are you? They said, haven't we taught you anything? We don't stop worship for nothing. You need to wake up the church in California. Now is the time where we need to worship more than ever before. And so they fired me up and I was, I was just pacing back and forth in my house and my wife looks at me and she's like, oh gosh, you got that look, babe. And I was like, I don't know, we got to do something. She's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know, we need to do something radical. So I said, how about we have people meet us on the Golden Gate Bridge tomorrow? She's like, What? Tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, let's do it tomorrow. I throw a post up on Facebook and Instagram. I say, meet us on the Golden Gate Bridge. We're going to take a stand. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to declare some things. I didn't know if anyone was going to show up. I was fired up. I drove four hours down from my house in Reading. Worried that nobody's going to be there. 400 believers show up. A Gideon's army. We had a bullhorn. We had a bullhorn. We had a battery-powered speaker. It was so pathetic, guys. And we, we gathered on that bridge, and 200 of us marched from the north, and 200 of us marched from the south, and we met in the middle. It's a two-mile-long bridge, by the way, in case you want to walk it. It's a long walk. We met in the middle, and we gathered together, and we just began to worship. We just began to take a stand for what's right. The San Francisco Police Department showed up. They said, what are you guys doing? I said, don't, you don't have to worry. We're here to worship Jesus. They said, thank you for coming to our city. All of a sudden, 22 police cars show up on the bridge and they say, we're going to do this for you. 22 San Francisco Police Department vehicles show on the bridge and say, we're going to block off a whole lane of the Golden Gate Bridge so you can worship. Listen, we go to cities, the police love us. Like, they love us. Even in Newport, you know, last night, we, we didn't get a permit or nothing. The police were like, this is amazing. A group of people that's not destroying stuff. We love this. <laughs> so anyway, we worship. We worshiped, and I declared something. I said, the new Jesus people movement is coming to California. God is going to turn the valley of weeping, the valley of a core, into a door of hope. 
What if he chose this season and this time and this hour to shine the light of his glory, to awaken the church? What if even this season was a gift to us where everything that can be shaken has been shaken so that he can reveal in you a kingdom that will not be shaken? And so the Lord birthed a movement. The Lord birthed a movement that day on the bridge. Here we are, 85 cities later. Hundreds of salvations. Last year we had the largest church service in America. In Washington, D.C., over 40,000 people showed up. Three days before the election, 45 degrees in the rain. And we worshipped. And this year... I didn't even say this in the first service, spoiler alert, but we just got approved for the permit on September 11th. The 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Who would have thought this, this current administration didn't even think about it? We got the permit. We're going to host the greatest worship gathering on September 11th, so you should join us in D.C. But anyway, fast forward to last night. So I hear all this Jesus People Movement, Revival History of California, and the first time I make my way down to Corona Del Mar, I see these cliffs, and I remember the images, and I said, God, you did it before. Can you do it again? And this was last night. I want to share with you what God did. Look at this. You guys want to see a little video? You want to see a little video? Okay, play that video. Encourage you. This will encourage you today. We didn't come for a concert. We came because we are asking for a holy visitation from the Almighty God tonight to fall upon this place. We are redigging the wells tonight. We thank you for what you've done, Lord, in 2020. We thank you for what the revival we're seeing in 2021. But God, we pray tonight that California, America needs more of your presence. We need more of your passion. We need reckless abandonment, full-on obsession, total surrender to the fire and the call of God tonight. Light our eyes with fire tonight, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Light our hearts of fire tonight.
Wow, come on. <laughs> Pastor Rob. I, I was telling Sean, I said, the energy level's down, and I think it's my fault. And the reason why is because the Lord had put something on my heart, and I didn't share it. I'd gotten a call from Kathleen Wilson, a reporter at the Ventura County Star, wondering if um, I'm supporting or backing the recall effort of Linda Parks. And I said, I, I didn't start it. I haven't signed it. I haven't participated. I, I, I've stood back. And she keeps pushing, and I keep responding in truth. But as I was praying last night, the Lord put on my heart something. The county may have pulled their lawsuit, and they may say it's out of goodwill. But when Supervisor Linda Parks, who I consider a friend, but when she apologizes to the churches and the businesses of this county and the children whose schools have been shuttered and, and takes responsibility for what she's done, then I will rescind what I'm about to do now. But until she does that, I fully support the recall effort and I'm going to sign that today and it's time that we stand against tyranny. And I say that because Sean has been contending in the public square and the greatest pushback, yes, from the churches, but also from government officials. He's been fined, he's been censured, they've tried to, you got an attorney that you're having, like we have to deal with. And, and they use our money, our taxpayer money, and they, they, they take us to court. And then they say, you know, act of goodwill while they slap us with their letter. It doesn't work that way. This is, they govern by our consent. And it is our right and our duty to push back. And I, I don't say that out of spite because the minute she says, I'm sorry, I'm done. And I will tell all of you, recall your, your, your signatures, we're not pulling her. If she can humble herself, I'm ready for that. But in the meantime, it's time that we do exactly what God called us to do, and that's worship him. And that is why I'm so thankful for this man. And give him some energy because he has put his life on the line. God bless you, man. <laughs> oh. It's funny, you know, there's a story of Jesus when he's walking into the city and, and uh, the Pharisees come up to him. They were the, the governmental leaders on a local level in that day. And they come up to him and they say, Jesus, don't you know the noise ordinance here? Shut your disciples up. Calm them down. They can't be being this crazy and waving palm branches and doing all this stuff. And I love Jesus just smiles at him and he goes, you don't understand. Like if they don't do this, even the rocks will cry out. Therefore, establishing a theological precedent where we never allow the government to tell us how to worship God. It's really important. It's a really important lesson that we're learning that we are called to be a fearless and courageous church. Amen. I want to read this verse in John chapter 1. And I just, I just feel like this is for you guys. As you're watching those images, um, you know, we see this every day. We had a girl that came down yesterday, a whole bag of suicide pills. We had a guy that ran to the altar, threw down his... His uh, strip club premium membership card. We didn't, we didn't do a, a strip club altar call, whatever. 
He just got so moved like, guys, I am trying to, I've seen it. No one has been in more cities across America than I have in the last nine months. Not even Charlie. And if he says that, he's lying. I've been to more cities. I've been on the ground in more dynamics. I've been in more multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-denominational settings. We've been in the inner city. We've been in the country. We've been everywhere. And I'm telling you, there is a move of God in America right now. And we have a choice. We have a choice to say, I'm going to be a part of it. Or we have a choice to say, I'm not going to. Like, we can actually say this morning, sign me up. Sign me up. I'm in. And you're experiencing it here with the growth of this church. But I want to give you a key that I feel like is important as we approach this new season. John chapter 1, there's three times in the Bible where Jesus is surprised by somebody. How many think if you surprise Jesus, you're doing pretty good? Right? So this is one of those three times. I take note of those moments where God is surprised. Now, I don't know how that works if you're, you know, Calvin or Arminian, whatever. I don't know. But three times Jesus goes, wow, I didn't expect that. This is God talking, okay? Wow, I didn't expect that. And I think next week is, um, next week is, uh, is it Mother's Day? So my Mother's Day sermon, I'm going to be in Texas. My Mother's Day sermon, just this for you, Rob, is uh, only a woman can change the mind of God. You know, Jesus is like, it's not my time yet. His his mom goes, oh, I'll tell you it's your time. (laughs) Get the wine jars out for him, you know. (laughs) It's powerful. Women are powerful. Anyway, okay. So so John Chapman, that's a good sermon, isn't it? It's a really good sermon. Moms are powerful. They can change the mind of God. All right. John chapter 1. So you have this story where Jesus uh, is, is, is walking on the road. It says in verse 43 that Jesus decided to leave Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter. And I love how Jesus, he's just so random, right? He just like, he, he doesn't pick people like we pick people. Like, we come in with, uh, you know, prejudgments. We come in, we visually know this person is from this economic class, this person. This is how they're probably going to respond. Jesus is just, like, so random. He's like, hey, you're a fisherman? Yeah, follow me. Hey, you're a dirty tax collector? Let's go. Hey, you're a whatever, a doctor, Luke? Yeah, come on, let's go. He just randomly picks people waiting to see who's going to respond. The only prerequisite is you got to lay down everything. And so he says the same thing to Philip. He says, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found his buddy Nathaniel. He said, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, you got to understand, this is a big moment for a Jew who their whole life, they've been waiting for the Messiah. They've been reading about the Messiah. They've been longing for the Messiah. They've been hoping that one day that he would come and he would rescue them and he would show up. And all of a sudden, Philip goes to his buddy and he says, I found him. You'll never believe it. I just found him. And so Nathaniel goes, really? (laughs) And then he says this, verse 46. This is the famous phrase. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? I love it, you know, when this whole movement, Let Us Worship, broke out on the Golden Gate Bridge, and then we went into Portland, and we had 6,000 show up. We went into CHOP in Seattle. We went into the autonomous zone. 
where there's no police and we can't let Christians. And I was like, oh yeah, you better watch out. 4,000 Christians show up. Antifa was all around us, but they couldn't do nothing. There's too many of us. We worshiped at the height of CHOP. <laughs> no one was going in there. And so I was on Fox, Fox and Friends, and they were, like, they were like, we don't even send people in there. What were you guys doing? So I began to tell them, and they were like, they were like, they said, where did this all start? And I said, California. This is on Fox and Friends. They said, California? <laughs> Nazareth? <laughs> Can anything good come from Nazareth? Then it says this. Philip responded to him, and this, I believe, is the most powerful thing that we can do as believers in this season. Philip didn't try to argue with him. Philip didn't try to give him his best apologetics. Philip didn't try to reason. He said, listen, man, just come and see for yourself. Come and behold the man Jesus. And so Philip goes, and Jesus sees him coming, verse 47. Jesus sees him approaching, and he says to him, here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. In other words, here's somebody that's not religious. They wear their heart on their sleeve. Jesus answered, I, Nathaniel said, how do you know me? This is his first message to God. He goes, how do you know me? He's talking to Jesus, you know. Jesus goes, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel looks at him, he goes, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the real thing. And Jesus, in response to that, goes, you believe just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? <laughs> he goes, that was easy. He was moved in this moment at how... Easy it was for Nathaniel to believe. It didn't take much. I remember first reading this and I'm just like, man, Jesus, that is like a really generic prophetic word. I mean, you're talking about God here. Like start, like pull out the best you got. Tell him his social security number. Tell him what he ate for breakfast. Tell him what his middle name is. Tell him something. And all Jesus does is he throws out this kind of like, oh, I saw you under the tree that one time. It's like Jesus, they live their whole life under trees. It's hot there. Which tree are you talking about? <laughs> you know? But Jesus was purposely trying to test his faith. He was purposely trying to see how hungry he was. And you know what moves the heart of God? Childlike faith. You know what God is restoring to the church in America? Childlike faith. And so it says, you believe because I saw you under the tree. And then Jesus says this, you will see greater things than that. Very, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What's my point? My point is that. The kingdom operates on principles of stewardship. It's just how it works. Jesus showed him a little revelation and Nathaniel lost his mind. And Jesus goes, oh, I can't wait to show you my best stuff. We live in a day, especially in America and the church, where we think we've seen it all. Especially in California, we got the biggest mega churches, we got the biggest stuff, we got the coolest programs, we got the, I am so grateful, one of the reasons, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I've been so 
frustrated yet excited in this season, but I'm telling you, the COVID, the post-COVID church is not going to look like it was before. There's a church that's rising with authority and power. There's a fearless church that God is raising up in this season. There's a church that's full of fire that's full of passion, that doesn't, that's not afraid what they look like, that's not worried about cancel culture. They're not going to bow to the idols of this world. They're going to take a stand for King Jesus. And it's happening all across America. But we have to be the people of God that we throw off our disappointments, our discouragements, our skepticisms, our doubt, all of our stuff. And we just got to say, oh, Jesus, we just want you. Bring me back to the 1970s, 1960s, you know, on the side of the cliff playing three chords for the Lord. That's what I love to say, three chords for the Lord. That's all he needs. Three chords where we just fall in love with Jesus again. You know, where we just get filled with passion. And I love about this story is there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a resurgence of wonder and childlikeness that God wants to restore back to the church. Jesus said, I love that story, you know, where the disciples came to him and they said, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? You know, what a crazy question. But Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He told them how to do it. Think about that. They came to him, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus goes, okay, you want to be great. That's a, that's a God-innated thing inside of you. You want to be great? I'll tell you how to be great. You can't even inherit what's to come until you become like a little child. My kids have traveled with me this last year because California schools are so crazy, and it was just like, we didn't want to deal with the drama. We are like, let's bring them on a revival tour. Let's let them witness God breaking out in cities across America. And every city we go to, you should just see their eyes. They're just, wow, Dad. Malachi was sitting on the cliffs with me last night. He's like, Dad, look at that guy. See that big guy getting baptized? <laughs> My son was like, are they going to be able to pull him up again? <laughs> you know? I was like, I don't know, Malachi, I'm wondering the same thing. But they're just full of childlike wonder. They wake up and they don't, they don't carry this scourge of disappointments and this bitterness and this offense and all this stuff. They wake up thinking God can do anything today. And I want to pray over you because I feel like God wants to baptize us with childlike faith this morning. Childlike faith. You know, and I know some of you have seen moves of God. Some of you have maybe have gone through seasons of discouragement. Some of you have, it's been a really difficult season. One of the most powerful things we're seeing the Lord do in these cities is the spirit of death being broken off of Gen Z. People that are cutting, people that are trying to feel themselves, people that are battling suicide, alcoholism, depression, they're getting delivered into the beauty of who Jesus is. Less TikTok and more of this. More fascination with the beauty of Jesus. And so I just want to pray if you're here and we're going to baptize people. And how, how cool is this that we baptized people last night and we're doing it here today. And your church is caught up in this new Jesus people movement in 2021. How many believe there's a new Jesus people movement coming?
you know, maybe the hygiene's a little bit better this time around. <laughs> Anybody here that got baptized in Pirate's Cove back in the day? Yeah, we got a couple people. I want to pray. If you want to receive that, that baptism of childlike faith, I just want you to stand. Just stand with me right now. And I want to pray over you that you'll receive it, that God will release it over you. You know the coolest thing about our altar calls right now that we do? I say every eye open, every head raised. Because every city we go to, when people come down to the altar, it's a no shame zone. We don't shame anybody. We release freedom and we actually cheer. We cheer when people give their life to Jesus. We have a party because heaven has a party. Amen. So I want to I want to just I want to just pray over the just put your hand on your heart if you want to receive that too you can stand up but 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 I just want to pray that God would fill you with a childlike faith. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in America. I thank you for the move of God that's taking place in California. God, I thank you that we've survived a crazy season together. And Lord, I thank you, God, that what is coming in this next wave, God, is unlike anything we've ever seen. And I just pray, Lord, right now, Lord, I pray for this, this expectation to begin to rise in our hearts. Lord, I just remove the heaviness, the disappointment, the discouragement, the offense from the last season. And I pray today you would wash us clean. Lord, that like children, we would begin to see with, with wonder again. We would begin to see with expectation again. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are waking the church up, God, to be alive and filled with hope. I I pray, God, that it wouldn't just be a revival in the church, God, but there would be a revival in homes. I pray for prodigal sons and daughters. This would be the season where they come home again. I pray, Lord, you would move in our businesses. You would move in our church, in our schools, in our high schools, in our campuses. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus is the only hope for the universities of America. Light a movement of your spirit, Lord. And God, we thank you for the former moves of God that have taken place in this state. And I thank you, Lord, that the latter rain is greater than the former. So I bless these beautiful people, Lord. Set their heart on fire. Set their heart on fire with a passion for Jesus like they've never had before. In Jesus' name, amen.